What's up, Off-White Coat listeners? It is my privilege to tell you about a sweet deal from our friends over at Pigmonic. If you haven't heard about Pigmonic, it is a fantastic picture-based mnemonic platform that can certainly help out any student. Most of the videos are around two minutes long and provide a quick and effective way to memorize material for any upcoming medical exam. It is extremely efficient, and they have a search bar where you can search general topics like renal, cardiology, step one, step two, or even first aid. If you want to review the Pigmonics, you just make a playlist of your own. Pigmonic even has a repetition algorithm that is spaced out according to your learning needs. This helps with increasing long-term retention and allows you to review the right information at the right time. Honestly, Pigmonic is a fantastic tool, and if you use our code, OFFWHITECOAT, that's OFFWHITECOAT with all capitals, you get 20% off. You can also do group buys to lower the price if you have study partners that could also benefit from this knowledge. Pigmonic is a great tool, and it is super effective. So go check them out and use our code off code to save yourself some money. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Off-White Code podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Abney, and today I'm joined by Melissa Skinner. Maybe one day, might be my sister-in-law. She's currently <laughs> in school to be an occupational therapist. And right now she's actually about to, in her final year, about to get that doctorate. Isn't that right, Melissa? That's right. I'm graduating with my doctorate in occupational therapy on December 15th. Yeah, she's about to get hers before me. I thought I was going to beat you, but then I <laughs> no they chance. switched up. No chance. So when you get a doctorate in occupational therapy, what do you get a different title on everything? Is it a PhD or is it... No, it's not a PhD because it's not really focused in like academics or research. You're not like graduating and then going to teach at a university. It more prepares you to be like a practicing clinician. So Mm -hmm. it's just doctor of occupational therapy. Oh, nice. And then what's your designation? So it'll be OTD. Um, not DOT, that's Department of Transportation. So it'll be <laughs> OTD. And then after I take my board's exam, it'll be OTD, comma, OTR, so registered occupational therapist, slash L, once I get licensed. So it's kind of long, but... Wait, so you get the L, too? When yeah, real, yeah. Just, it, just one, another You get the OTD, letter. then you get the OTR, and then you get the L. OTDs. Is that like a chant or something y'all do at one point? Uh, I feel like that's got to be a cheer <laughs> or something. No. To the OTDs. <laughs> no, maybe at graduation. But until then, we're That's what you say when you throw your cap up? Yeah. <laughs> until then, we're just OTSs. Oh, oh, because the students, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me coming from a like an international medical school, like going to Grenada and everything, you're technically an IMG. So that's an international medical graduate. But sometimes I throw that around because we always say that we're IMGs. Like it's like, this is IMG friendly or blah, blah, blah. And then I say it around somebody that doesn't know. And they're like, what? What does that even mean? Yeah. And so the OTDs. Well, you excited? I am excited. It has been a long time coming. I, I started in May of 2020. So it's gone by fast for everybody but me. No, Mel, I'm super proud of you. Give me Thanks. some up here. I am super proud of you. You killed this whole process. Now you're about to be a doctor of occupational therapy, too. So what are you going to do? So tell us first, what was this last year like? So like a- since we talked, I think last time we talked, um, I had just finished my first like clinical rotation, and that was in home health. 
And then I had to do a outpatient peds rotation. I did that one in Brazelton, Georgia, in an outpatient clinic. And I saw, you know, kids from 1 to 18, all different kinds of diagnoses on some on the spectrum, Down syndrome, CP, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder. That was a new one. So I did that for three months, and then I had a, the next term was completely online where I planned my doctorate project, and now I'm finishing carrying out my plan. Okay. So when you have to deal with kids and you have like, I mean, the oppositional defiant disorder, is that a different kind of, like, how are you helping them? deal with their home life and everything. Cause I assume that's what the occupational therapy for a kid would be is yeah. So like a, maintaining their kind of, but a kid's like main occupation is play. Yeah. So that... You teach them through play, how to, you know, act in different environments and, you know, whatever they're struggling with, you try to incorporate play into it because Okay. That's their job as a kid is to play. And that's how they figure out their sensory system and how to regulate emotion and Mm -hmm. and all that. Is there like a protocol for like you do certain exercises with certain diagnoses or whatever? I mean, there's like standardized assessments that you can do during your evaluation or the first time you see the kid to kind of get a baseline of where they're at. But I, you know, I take those with a grain of salt because. Each kid is different, and, you know, one person with one diagnosis could look completely different mm. to another person. So I don't want to hold everyone into the same box as the standardized assessment, but it is a good tool to kind of map out your plan. Oh, uh, okay. I just didn't know. So you're essentially just playing with the kids. Yeah. Okay. Basically, basically, but you're incorporating a lot of other things. But, you know, in a nutshell, it's play. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, that sounds kind of... which. You know, I think it would be tough, you know, uh, if the kid has certain psychiatric disorders, like with, they would have trouble playing in general. So, you know, I, I think that for one, it would be fun and, you know, you get to, but yeah, then also was, I could see where it'd be super tough. Yeah, it was really fun and it was a great opportunity. And I, I like the idea of uh, getting paid to play. There but, you go. <laughs> but it Look was, at you. You made it to the NFL now, girl. Yes. Yes, it was uh, definitely challenging at times, and the kids definitely gave me a run for my money. And I told mom, I said, if I end up working in peds, you will not be getting any grandchildren from me <laughs> because there's no way I could do that all day and then come home and raise kids. So Yes. Oh, could you imagine your mom? That, uh, yeah, you're like, you don't get any grandkids, and then all of a sudden you're like, I can't stop. <laughs> Yeah, I hope not. But yeah, after that was a really fun rotation. I I enjoyed it a lot, and I was definitely sad to leave because I had this same caseload the entire time. Because when kids start therapy, they only get evaluated, like or evaluated and reevaluated every six months or so. So mm-hmm. you have them for that amount of time. So I saw the same kids every week, same time. And you really get to know them and, you know, build bonds. So it was hard to leave, but. Fun. I was about to say, did you have any special, like, some specific kids that you really liked? Yeah, I did. I tried not to play favorites, but it was really hard. But I was really drawn to 
the ones that I could truly be myself around because, you know, I'm kind of sassy and sarcastic. So I liked the kids that were the same. And so mm. we would just give it to each other back and forth the whole time. Like there was this one little girl I remember. She was seven. And she was at therapy for a multitude of reasons, but her main problem was just, you know, issues with authority and following directions and whatnot. And one day I told her, I was like, or she told me, she said, when I grow up, I want to be a CEO. And I said, okay, well, you know, most good CEOs will listen to their OT and, you know, follow directions in therapy. And she said, okay, then, well, I'll just work at McDonald's. It's fine. And I truly, I truly had no idea what to say. I mean, she kept me on my toes and was always putting me in my place. But there were several kids like that. And it was (laughs) a really fun time. She's like, I don't know a single CEO that listens to their OT. (laughs) Whenever you go on to, like, now you've been doing, like, research, right? Yeah. So I had to plan out, like, it's called a capstone project. And you pick whatever like you're passionate about or whatever you want to explore more or you know whatever you want to do your capstone project and you pick it out first or second term and you spend this entire time like doing background research and planning you can either do like a a program research policy development or something else there's like four different choices you can choose and routes you can take so i did program development with electrical contracting linemen to uh, reduce musculoskeletal disorder. That slash a little bit of research for mine. What's up, everybody? I want to tell you about the best tool to increase your long-term retention and to review the right information at the right time. If you haven't heard about Picmonic, it is a creative, picture-based, mnemonic platform that can certainly help out any student. It doesn't matter what you're studying. To all my MDs, DOs, PAs, MPs, and pharmacy students, this tool can help everybody. It is extremely efficient. They have search bars where you can search any topic. You can make your own playlist. It is amazing. So go check them out and use our code OFFWHITECOAT, that's OFFWHITECOAT with all capitals, to save yourself 20% off. Everybody, I'm telling you, you're going to be satisfied. Go check out Pygmonic and use our code OFFWHITECOAT to save yourself that 20%. Nice. Have you had any issues in that whole process? Yeah, so (laughs) I planned out, I ended up planning out my entire project like down to the T what I was going to do each week during the 14 week period that I had to carry it out I planned it out wrote wrote it up it's called a defense so I had to defend it to the school for approval I got it approved and then they came back and they were like hey part of your project seems like a little bit like research so you might need approval from the institutional review board and uh, that could take a while. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's an understatement, uh, yeah, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. I don't, there's just not a nice way to put having to go through the IRB process. But basically, I ended up, I was ready to start my project, had everything in place, and then got news that I needed the IRB approval and ended up being seven weeks late to actually beginning collecting my data for my research because that's how long it took me to get 
do the application, revise it several times, and get it approved by the school. Seven weeks. Jeez. Yes. Uh, To anybody listening, if somebody says that they're doing some research and they go out and they explain a lot of it and you... It goes way over your head. You just say, "Oh, what were the problems that you can't?" Because there's always some problems. Yes, it's. I I have learned very quickly. This is not a process that uh, goes smoothly for for anyone. <laughs> no. So the funny thing is, I actually got through the IRB process so smooth. Now the whole time I was calling them because I was trying to. I didn't know if I was hopping on one IRB or making my own, and then finally they figured that out. It was a whole. It was weeks long of me like. Honestly, just calling this IRB and harassing them. And then I put my information in, which, by the way, I put it in. It doesn't work. So I have to call them again. I'm like, why isn't it submitting? And they're like, oh, you have to redo the whole thing over again. I was like, but I had all the documents. So I click everything all over again. Then they admit, they like push it through. And in a week, it was done. So I got IRB access in a week. But I still don't have access from the hospital to do the electronic medical health record. So... I still oh can't gosh. get the data. Yeah, so... So there's always a problem, yeah, no matter what. Yeah, there's always something. Like, mine got sent back several times for, like, the stupidest, smallest reasons. Like, one time, I, I, I had a typo, and it got sent back for, like, one typo. One of my friends um, also had to do the IRB, and hers got sent back because she did not capitalize the I in Internet. So hers didn't what? get approved for that reason. But, yeah, it's just really petty. But I understand, uh, yeah. you know, it needing to be perfect because this is the stuff that is being published and yeah. people are counting on being accurate. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, it's like they need it to be for, like, legal reasons. Like, it needs to be – I'm not sure if it's quite legal, but it's like you want it to be exact. But at the same time, God, is it a process. Yeah. You've already started collecting your data and everything, right? Yeah, so um, I'm actually, this week and next week is my last week collecting data, but I did, my data collection involved like a survey with the linemen just about like what they knew about occupational therapy, if anything, what their job duties were, what tools they used, the tasks that are involved in their typical day, you know, their wellness habits like hydration, stretching, eating habits, sleep, etc. I did a survey on that and then I had two standardized assessments to use to they like quantify. So as an OT, I I go in and I like watch them work and break down the tasks that they do into the different components to try to figure out like what specifically might cause an injury. And the standardized assessments I used kind of quantified what I was seeing to give them a number to back up what I was saying. Okay, neat. So wait, what are you hoping to see at the end of it all? So at first I did the survey and the assessments to find out like what they're all about them and then identify the risk. And then I took all of that information and applied like I educated them on proper wellness habits and stretching routines and ways that they could protect their body during different tasks. And then at the end, I'm going to see like how much they improved and how, how like the changes in the numbers on the assessment, if it went down or, you know, if their risk is any less based on occupational therapy education. Neat. Like did your Instagram or, cause I don't know if y'all know this about Melissa. She's kind of a, She's kind of a big deal. 
No, her. Uh, so she has an Instagram account. What's the name of it again? Um, it's ot.mel, otmel. So yeah, where she just talks about ot stuff and really just, I mean, anything. Yeah, anything the- and everything. Just it's just related to what I'm doing in ot at the time. Yeah, but like if this assessment, let's say it, it helps, and like, and you have like a relative following, and then if the assessment is just you know like giving instruction on certain things, like that's where. I could see it would be helpful. Yeah. The only problem is with being a student and doing this is that there was some red tape because, you know, I'm not technically a clinician yet. So I'm not able to actually like treat the linemen. I can strictly like only educate. Yeah. So I, you know, if they came to me, like, for example, like one was talking to me about his hip one day and how it was hurting and, I'm pretty sure I know like what what it is and like why it's hurting and what he should do about it. But as a student, I had to say, hey, like I'm a student, you know, I'm not really allowed to tell you what your problem is and and I'm not really allowed to treat it. But in the future, like you should consult an OT or, you know, whatever. But so that was the red tape that was with it. But it, it was fun. That's the one issue. And because you're doing the research, right, you want to make sure that it is all like just on education base, not like doing multiple factors. Yeah. So I can I guess I could see where that would be helpful. But then that also if the problem is you're still a student, right? So and it's still research. You don't sure if it would work anyway. But I just think that it would be helpful because you have the following. Yeah. If let's say in five years if it worked out you would be able to pass information that all being said though the more important thing is the fact that of course you know what's going on with the guy with the hip problem because like you've had the same experience so you have to just like play dumb uh, yeah that it really kind of sucks doing that because i i know what i'm talking about and to you know to get that buy-in from the population i'm working with it would be a lot more helpful to be able to It'll come with time. You yeah, got one more year. I'm, I'm, I really am. I'm trying to play by the rules and only do what I'm allowed to do as a student. So yeah. Speaking of your hip, how is your hip feeling? You know, it's not great, but surgery's next week, so it can only go up from here. You are having what surgery again? I'm having a labral tear repair on my right hip, as well as they're gonna. You, you probably know more about this than me. Of femoroplasty yeah i don't i don't really know i mean i don't really know too much about it either yeah. but <laughs> i do like know several different procedures wrapped up in one i just know i'm having hip surgery next week nice well we trust your your surgeon and everything yeah, so he's totally. a good guy i'm sure he's not doing anything so you're the issue i guess i mean you're young having to get a hip surgery anyway so mm-hmm. that that's probably a little bit nerve-wracking but are they doing that instead of a total hip replacement because are they just trying to preserve the joint? Yeah, because um, structurally the joint is pretty much intact, so they don't want to why take out take it out and replace it with something that's fake if they don't have to. So they're just working with what they have and hoping for the best. Okay. Melissa, you have had, I mean, you technically started with hip surgeries very early because you had to get that one leg surgery, and then that was the reason that they were missed place before am i correct or i mean that's what i understand and that's the only thing that makes sense uh prior to this i've had two 
surgeries on my left leg where they cut the cut the tendons and lengthen them and I, now I have a leg length discrepancy where my right leg is longer than the left so the right leg and that's been forever so the right leg has overcompensated and I've just walked unevenly for so long that my hip on the right side finally just gave out mm. Yeah, and I would like to make it clear uh, to anybody listening first that I am not an orthopedic surgeon. I did get an email or uh, like a DM the other day. I was like, are you an orthopedic surgeon? And if so, I really need help. I was like, I am not an orthopedic <laughs> surgeon. But we we'll, we can direct you to one. Uh, I mean, and I, I, we kind of talked about it on the previous episode, yeah. but to anybody that didn't listen to our first episode, you were born with cerebral palsy and then that led to the first surgery mm-hmm. right yes and then from and there the leg length so it's like one thing factors into another yeah. and you're just still in all fairness you get around pretty great i know you're in pain but yeah i think i'm ready for this surgery because i uh initially started having hip problems like five years ago so this is this is an issue that i've been dealing with for a while I was just in college and you didn't have the time to be, yeah. to be down. But yeah, so the co- recovery, I was re- reading over it the other day and I think it's going to be pretty rough, but hopefully my background as an OT will help me, but I hope it doesn't hinder me and I hope I don't try to do everything myself. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We are we are here to help. How long is the recovery supposed to be? So full recovery is around, I I think the surgeon said like six to nine months until I'm like 100% back again. Okay. Six to nine months. Man. Yeah. And so wait, when do you get, your doctorate's coming up too though. So you have your surgery and then when do you graduate yeah, again? So my surgery is on November the 11th and then I have my graduation on December the 15th. So I might be... uh Walking across stage with a walker, but it I mean, they, know, it they need to get you a motorized <laughs> wheelchair. And then you just, you motor up, then you stand up, accept it, sit back down, <laughs> motor down. Yeah. So I think that's the way to go. It'll be interesting to see how all that goes, especially because it's seven hours to St. Augustine from here. So the travel. Yeah. So that's the, the one issue with Mel. Well, not the one issue with Mel, but the one thing that <laughs> happens with Mel is like it's like sitting down for long periods of time, correct? Like that's what aggravates your hip. Yeah. Work. So for me, it's it, it's kind of a lose lose situation because sitting for long periods of time, standing for long periods of time, and walking are the three things that really bother it. So after that, you know, what is there? What is there to do? Exactly. Like, well, I was, I was like sitting, standing, walking. It's like, what else can you do besides, yeah. I guess, run? But that's not what, that's not in the list. And I'm over here living in luxury over here with Mr. Skinner's back support. But you have like these little cushions you were showing me and everything that you like can sit on, but those don't really help much. No, it's, it's just past the point of, you know, any, any outside, thing being able to help you know like cushions don't help medicine doesn't really help it's just time for surgery so yes well i think it's going to go smoothly and we'll be here to support you even then and then when you walk or wheelchair down the uh get your diploma but yeah so then you have your recovery period what do you do after that 
Because you're going to be, now you're going to be done, right, yeah, with school. Yeah, so then I'm going to have to really, really study for the boards exam. And then I'll have to take that. But, you know, I haven't even, that's not even on my radar yet. I'm trying to get the surgery okay. out of the way and get recovered. Because most people take about probably like six weeks to study. And that's studying like every day for the whole day. So I got to do that. And then after that. I'll probably honestly go into uh, travel therapy. Nice. So I don't know where I'll end up. What is travel? Like you bounce around? You travel or? Yeah, I travel and work in different settings and different places on a contract basis. So most of the contracts are like three months or so. And you just basically pick like what setting you want and which state you want and go there. And then work and then leave. Nice. Is there like a pretty big market for that and everything? Yeah, it's it's honestly pretty big. And I've talked to a couple different recruiters about it. But, you know, I'm just trying to get done with school and get the surgery behind me and stuff. Yeah, there's literally no point. Well, we don't have to worry about that at all. But that's that's awesome. Your your future looks bright, girl. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, Mel. Thank you so much, Mr. Skinner, for providing the back support. <laughs> and you, I know that it's going to go smoothly for you. So Yeah, we'll have to talk about that once I... Yeah, yeah, because it is definitely helpful because you're, you're doing real big things. So thank you so much, Mel, for coming on the show and everything. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been good to catch back up with you. And, I mean, you got all this... You got a lot of big milestones ahead of you anyway, so there's no point in looking. Yeah, into the no, no point in going too far ahead. But thanks for having me on, Jordan. Next time we talk, yeah. you'll have to call me doctor. Oh yeah, certainly though. <laughs> you, you'll get it in the title. Um, where can everybody reach you? Like the um, what's your Instagram again? Uh, my Instagram is at ot dot ot dot mel. Okay. Yes, that's where you can find her for any ot news. And as always, you can find us at. Off White Coat Podcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Instagram or any of the social medias. And as always, thank you everybody for listening. It has been a pleasure, and we out. Bye. Hey everyone, I want to take this time to tell you about our friends over at True Learn. They have this top-of-the-line test bank that is perfect for any upcoming board exams that you may have. They have test banks for all types of exams. So whether you're studying for medical school, nursing school, OT, pharmacy, and others like speech pathology, TrueLearn is the way to go. If you're like me and going through medical school, they have a question banks for all the big exams, like Step 1, Step 2, and Step 3, with quality assessments for each exam. Look, I know we didn't go into healthcare because we love taking tests. This is the hard part of the job. Make it easy on yourself with TrueLearn. Sign up now with the code OFFWHITECOAT to get $25 off your purchase. That's OFF white coat, no spaces, to get $25 off your purchase. This is a test bank that you do not want to pass up on. Make this easy on yourself. Take the deal, pass your boards, and get back to enjoying the reason you went into healthcare. And make sure to use OFFWHITECOAT when you pick it up.